The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. The game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Well, at the end of this game, Kevin Harlan said on the broadcast, I am just stunned. And uh, and candidly, I am too. Eddie Pascal here hanging out with my man Jason Fitz in the fifth quarter, brought to you by Twitch. And Fitz, 24-0, Raiders fall to 2-5. and five. Uh, Just initial thoughts before we try our very best to dissect and to figure out where it went wrong, what exactly went wrong. But you look at the scoreline, and it's not pretty. So, Fitz, it's good to see you again. What's How are we feeling? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. Usually, you know me, Eddie. Like, I'm the one that's unprofessional in the press box, saying things I shouldn't say, throwing things. I'm that guy. And it was all of the second quarter before I just sat back on my couch and looked at this and said, man, you can tell they don't have it. And, you know, there are certain games I remember I went – to the Jets game a couple of seasons ago where it felt like the season was on the line and I expected this great output of energy from the Jets and they just looked flat. That This this felt like one of those games where for whatever reason, there was not the usual fire in the belly that you could feel palpably from the sidelines and they just they got their butts kicked by a Saints team that I don't want to thinly avail this. I don't think the Saints are very good and the Saints came in better prepared uh, but the better game plan that they better executed. Yeah, I mean, and we'll get into the Saints in a second. Shout out to Alvin Kamara as well. I mean, big credit to him for, I mean, making the absolute most of his opportunities. But Fitz, you know, the the you know the pervasive narrative, at least early in that game on, on the Twitter machine, is, oh, the elusive 10 a.m. kickoff for the West Coast teams. And, and I guess I just don't buy that, really. I mean, I guess if you were coming from Hawaii or somewhere like that, not that long of a flight, though, for the Raiders. And certainly your day has moved up. But to your point, it just felt sluggish. It felt out of sync. And you look at Derek Carr's start fit. He starts 2 of 7 and then 5 of 11. He never found any type of rhythm. And I think because of that, you weren't able to get Josh Jacobs into the rhythm. And because of that, the Raiders weren't able to do what they do when they're at their absolute best. There were a couple of things that compounded early on this. Number one, we've talked about the fact that I think we found the, the identity for this Raiders team. And it's run first and let the run set everything up. This is a bad run defense for the Saints, so I thought they'd have a good matchup there. They didn't. The Saints really committed to stopping the run, did a nice job. So that puts you in poor down and distance early on. Mate, you were going to have to throw the ball more. And, and then we got a different version, and that's the best way I can describe it. I'm used to a Derek Carr that runs up to the line of scrimmage. He's barking out orders. He's yelling at the mic like he's deciding what linebacker's coming. Like there's this big like communication and comfort that we see from Carr today. It just felt like that wasn't, there it was a very quiet version of him. And I had a couple of people that I, I think highly of that text me during the game that were watching it saying, why does he feel cautious? And I haven't had the chance. You haven't had a chance. We haven't been able to rip through the all 22 yet where you can see what the coverages were. But the fact is you'd see Carr drop back and double triple pat the ball in his hands while he figured out what he wanted to do it. There was a lack of comfort from the outset of this game. And I'm not going to attribute that to a kickoff time, they're professionals. They can figure that out. They're, at some point, you got to look at it and say, what was wrong with this team that they just didn't feel in sync from the opening uh, kickoff? You know, and I think you hit the nail on the head where Derek didn't look, feel, and clearly was not comfortable all afternoon today in New Orleans. And I think some of that, perhaps not all, but some of it 
is that offensive line struggled today. I mean, Andre James, friend of the program, Andre James, has had a really, in my opinion, a really nice start to 2022. He got got a couple times today. Uh, I think the young rookies, Dylan Parham with the penalties, like the rookies got got today. And Derek, when he's absolute, at his absolute best, is comfortable, is in sync, knows where he wants to go to the ball. But if you get a little pressure on him, if he's feeling that heat, we have seen now, year, you know, year after year, and I don't mean this in a bad way, that sometimes that is what you can do to throw him off of his game. And I think that's what we saw today, Fitz. I mean, we talked about the fact that he was never comfortable. He didn't look comfortable. And because of that, he wasn't able to get the ball to his his favorite guys. I mean, you look at, I mean, we can go through the litany of bizarro stats from today, but uh, Devontae Adams, his first catch in the fourth quarter. I mean, explain to me that, riddle me that, Fitz. Like, how can this team, and yes, we know that the Raiders in 2022 are a run-first team. But you can't get number 17 with his first catch in the fourth quarter. You just can't expect to win football games. Yeah, there's a moment, and they pointed this out on the broadcast. Every Raiders fan already knows this. This team didn't even get past midfield until two minutes left in the game. And what you saw was on one side with the Saints, they came in with the game plan of, hey, we have two things that we think are going to be a matchup nightmare. Alvin Kamara, which uh, they obviously uh, brought out uh, with great impact, and uh, uh, Taysom Hill who we all know that this Raiders team has struggled this year against mobile quarterbacks. They had a really nice game plan to to go to the weaknesses of the Raiders defense. I felt like at some point early on, we would at least see the gimme balls, like the two-yard catch to that we saw. The one catch that Devontae got was a, a gimme ball at the line of scrimmage. It was pretty meaningless, but I'm surprised we didn't see that earlier. The problem is early on, because there was no rhythm and you find yourself suddenly in second and eight, the offense felt like it was trying to get massive chunks of yardage constantly, and they just weren't there. Whether they weren't there or whether Carr wasn't comfortable throwing them there, they weren't there. And I, I felt like the game plan just wasn't allowing for anything short to happen. And to your point, offensive line, get my butt kicked. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run more slants. I got the best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, give me something that gets them open quickly. Give me some sort of bubble action. Give me some screen action. But the, they just weren't able to get any of that done. You know, and I think we, we've talked so much, and especially over the past month, where we know who the Raiders are in 2022. We're approaching the halfway point of the season. We know who they are. For better, for worse, good, bad, indifferent, somewhere in the middle. We know who they are. They are at their best when Josh Jacobs is running the ball, when they're staying on pace, when the down and distance isn't getting incredibly out of hand, and you let Derek and Devontae and Hunter and Waller and all those guys cook off of that. Statistical oddity today fits. Uh, Mr. Jacobs finishes the game, 10 carries for 43 yards. One carry in the second half, a single carry. And so to me, my point is this, credit to the Saints for taking Josh Jacobs completely out of this game. Because when you're down the way that the Raiders were down today, you don't have the luxury of relying on Josh Jacobs. You don't have the luxury of leaning on the opposing defensive line. And because of that, number 28 gets one touch in the final 30 minutes. This game was every weakness that we know this team has coming together in one game. Like you mentioned Derek Carr being uncomfortable when he's, uh, when he's got a little bit early on, right? We saw that. We saw the offensive line get beat a few times. We saw the inability to establish the run because the score got out of hand so quickly. Uh, we saw at some point it, the defense was going to be asked to make big stops and they just couldn't get off the field. Defensively, it didn't feel like they had much of a game plan for Camara, which is yet again. I mean, we saw the same thing against Derek Henry. Like a great running back can beat this team. A mobile quarterback can beat this team. So the defense was exposed in a lot of ways. The pass rush was non-existent. Like the one thing that was good today was Max Crosby's motor. Like, but we're used to that. I almost take that for granted. Every other weakness for this team felt like they came out 
in one game at one time in one day. I don't remember the last time I saw that. No, and it's been a while, and I think that's a credit to not only this staff, but the staff previous, where you didn't feel like, look, there were certainly days where, ah, the defense doesn't have it, or, ah, the offense is kind of putting it together. You know, we remember the 75 different offensive line combinations from the COVID year. Like, you saw bits and pieces of it. But to your point, Vince, you didn't see a day where everything was just kind of falling off the uh, off the wagon there. And I think, to me, kind of looking back at the game, and you're right, we haven't had a chance to go back and look at the All-22. I'm sure we'll do that the next day or so. But for me, looking back now, that fake punt early in the game, to me, now you're like, huh. There was just something funky, something weird, something, for lack of a better term, just out of sync about today, right? Yeah, well, and you think about that fake punt, and we don't know yet whether or not it was called that way sure. or whether it was a decision on the field. But either way you want to look at it, from the outset, the play looked busted, right? Like, so it was one of those, even in a fake punt, it was kind of predictable for the Saints. They saw it coming, and they busted through it. It was poorly executed. And what did you see afterwards? You didn't see the body language we're used to see. One thing I will say about the Raiders, win or lose for the last year and a half, we are used to a team that plays with a bunch of fire, right? A bunch of energy. They really don't do this very often, but... Early on in the game, I saw Derek Carr just sitting on the sideline, staring into space, nobody talking to him. Late in the fourth quarter, I saw Carr take a hit. Nobody turned around and picked him up. It was like everybody was just in their their fields. It's like they all listened to the Taylor Swift record. They had all the emotions, and those emotions were just carrying with them or something. It was just – it was not the usual explosiveness we it, we would expect. And I think the, the fake punt showed that. Like even after the fake punt, the body language as they walked off the field, you just felt like the game at that point – was going to get out of hand, which is crazy that early on. And, and look, you know me, I'm a, I'm a big special teams guy. So part of me loves the fake punt. I love the aggression. I love, hey, let's keep our foot in the pedal a little bit. But correct me if I'm wrong, and, and Al, you can uh, fact check me on this, but the fake punt came after that little end-around trickeration to Devontae, did it not? So we were on, yes, you're on back-to-back plays of, huh? And, and look, I've talked to you a bunch, and I, I'm completely, uh, you know, 10 out of 10 fan, huge supporter of getting the ball in 17's hands, regardless of how you do it. If, it, if it's the little slant routes, if it's getting creative, whatever it may be. But, the, you know, those back-to-back plays, the, the trickeration to the fake punt, now in hindsight has you scratching your head a little bit and be like, there was just something funky in the air down there in the bayou today, Fitz. And also, it's weird to get, you know, I've had the debate with fans on Twitter and I had it after last week's game when when some people were saying after the blowout, finally, you know, they didn't try and get cute. They just ran the football. Well, even at that, uh, that play to Devontae is one that's been run almost every week now. It's a standard part of the playbook, right? Like you think about some of the double passes we saw last week. In a win, nobody minds cute plays. What I minded out of this one was that it showed me a little bit of a, hey, we know we're not getting the push we need. Like when you have third and one, twice in this game and neither time does Josh Jacobs get to carry up the gut to me. What you're saying is, man, I'm not sure that I believe the middle of my line could do what it has done the last several weeks, which is inexcusable against a bad run defense. Like that, the offensive line should have been able to control this football game. No, my man, big Al is, is uh, agreeing with you on that. And that's something we talked about before we came in is you have those third and ones and 28 doesn't get the rock. And, and I guess my big question fits is as well as the offensive line has played over the past month, particularly uh, in the ground attack, you are kind of wondering like, huh? And and look, you and I are in privy. Maybe everyone's not at 100% health. Maybe they're, you know, we, we talked about the bug. Like maybe there's something going on. You never know. You and I are not privy to all the ins and outs. But on paper, to have those two third and ones and, and you don't get the ball to Josh, who's who's still, I might add, average north of four yards of care today in very limited opportunities, it does make you think a little bit like, huh, it was, 
it's hard to put your finger on exactly where it went wrong today. It's hard to put your finger on kind of the totality of, of what that first domino was to fall that kind of led to this 24-0 loss. But it, uh, no, way to, no way to kind of dance around. It was a tough day at the office of the Silver and Black. Yeah, well, and these are the moments that we've talked about, you know, since the outset of the season. When you start slow, and there's no doubt that this Raiders team started slower than most expected. When you start low, slow, one of the biggest things you do is you lose the wiggle room you're used to having in the back portion of the season where you can just have one of those games. And, you know, I, I said on Twitter, it felt like one of those games that the Raiders have about every year where you just, you're looking at them saying, huh, the, the problem is you lost that wiggle room. So now you're sitting at two and five, right? And two and five is not just below where we expected. Two and five is not acceptable, right? So now you've got to look at it organizationally and figure out what you're going to do to turn it around quickly against the Jags. And you've also got to have a different sense of urgency. Last year, this team knew when their backs were up against the wall, they had to win the final four games to make the playoffs. And they did, I think, in large part because the brotherhood of that locker room and the way they came together. They need to do that now because at two and five, uh, you know, if this team is looking at any thing this season, they're going to have to figure it out right now. And they don't have any any runway left. No, I mean, they got to do a quick, fast, and hurry. And I think we you know, we heard from Coach McDaniels, we heard from Derek Postgame saying, you know, maybe there is a benefit to the team outside of the logistical portion of them staying on the East Coast. Like, it's almost like training camp 2.0, right? They're going to have to spend the next seven days together. They're going to be in Florida for the, the next week, you know, having a chance to just be them, you know, sequester it away from the friends, away from the family, away from all that, focusing literally just on the Jacksonville Jaguars and how to get a win next Sunday. But I think for me, Fitz, when we, we look back at the game a little bit, and coming into today, one thing that I, I felt pretty confident in, or maybe not confident, but I, I was looking forward to seeing was coming into, into this weekend, no team in the NFL had given the ball away more on offense than the New Orleans Saints. Not one. Not a single team. And the Raiders were unable to capitalize on that. And defensively, I mean, look at Alvin, what Alvin Kamara was able to do. I mean, on some of those touchdown fits, it, it felt like you and I could have hit that hole and galloped 35 yards into the end zone. Well, on a, on a couple of them, it was like playing Madden. They're running that halfback angle play that everybody that's ever played Madden loves because it's an easy way to get open. And what's stunning to me is to see that the, the Raiders defensively, especially with the Saints missing weapons offensively, the Raiders defensively were given too much cushion to the wide receivers. And then they were given too much help from the middle of the field to the wide receivers. So what you end up with is because you've got linebackers lining up wide, the legal route is just suddenly the faster guy with the inside route is going to move forward. It, it was it was crazy to me to see that, that the Saints had one guy that you knew we absolutely had to stop from the outset. And in that sense, very familiar to Derrick Henry with the Titans. Like, you knew you were going to have to stop a certain style of Derrick Henry. At least I could excuse the first half of the Titans game because they did things they don't usually do with Derrick Henry. This was Alvin Kamara being Alvin Kamara and Andy Dalton being that level of efficient. And Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill weren't asked to do anything other than just take what the defense gives you. My buddy, AJ McCarron, that Raiders fans know well, we do. Friend of the program. College, yeah, friend of the program. We do college football Saturdays together. And he tells me every single week over and over and over again that they were taught one principle at Alabama, take with the defense and the defense will eventually give you the game. And he says it all day. And I see it all the time in college football. I saw it today in the NFL. Like all we asked Andy Dalton to do was just be patient. And he did. That, that, it was it was alarming. He never had to push the ball down the field. No, and, and he didn't. And I think what helps in that fits is not having any pressure. I mean, our friend Vic Tafer towards the end of that game uh, had a great tweet and I said great in a not super fun way, but he goes, 
you know, Andy Dolan's just eating beignets back there. He's just hanging out. There was there was no pressure on him for much of the game. And because of that, you give Alvin Kamara time to work. Kamara finishes with 150-plus yards from scrimmage. That'll do. Uh, and I think that, you know, credit to Andy Dalton, credit to, credit to Dennis Allen and the Saints staff for they figured out a way to get the ball in their playmaker's hands. That was it. It wasn't overly complicated. It wasn't like this master of, of scheme and, and, you know, we're watching football from 2050. It's like, hey, those two guys, and in this case, Kamara and Taysom Hill, those guys are pretty good. Give them the ball, see what happens. The hardest part about that for every fan is the realization that nothing fixes this easily. Like, that's the one thing, too. You know, I, I had some people tweeting during the game, you know, fire fire this guy, fire that guy. I, and I can't stress this loud enough. There's, in my mind, zero chance any of that's going to happen. And I'm not sitting here rooting for anybody to lose their jobs, right? I think what we have to understand is that Mark Davis organizationally invested in two guys that he is trusting with the future of the franchise, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. We know that. Uh, I would expect that those two guys are going to get every opportunity over the next several years to build this franchise in their identity. That also means that short-term, long-term are two different things, right? Like, so unfortunately, when you're talking about this defense, all right, well, what are you going to do? You're going to simplify? Well, if you simplify, guys are still going to get beat. Are you going to blitz more? Well, if you're going to blitz more, then the guys better cover better. And if you're going to cover better, that's tougher to do. So like, which is going to help which? How do you figure all of that out? And I don't think that there's an easy answer for any of it right now on the defensive side of the ball. On the offense, you can at least look at it and say, we know what their identity is supposed to be and how they're supposed to run things. On the defense, I don't know what's going to fix the problems that this defense has anytime soon. Yeah, and I think I agree with you 100%. I think that offensively this is, I don't want to see an easier pill to swallow because when you lose by 24 points, you put no points up on the board. I mean, there's no one that's going to be on that flight to Jacksonville in just a few hours that's feeling good about themselves. But I think offensively, to your point, Fitz, we know who the Raiders are. We've seen them have success. We know what the formula is. It, it is not might not be the sexiest formula, but it's a good formula. It's a very effective formula. Defensively, I think, is where you have a few more questions, to your point. And I think today, perhaps more than last week, it feels like this defense really missed Nate Hobbs. Uh, Nate Hobbs, who I think uh, two more games on the short-term IR before he's eligible to come back. But, I mean, it was a day where you felt like you needed to have your best guys out wide. You needed to have someone you could get. You could throw someone off schedule. Uh, and for better or for worse, Nate Hobbs is that guy right now. He is one of the premier playmakers on this defense. And the Raiders didn't have him today. And I, and I know that it doesn't do much uh, do much good to cry over the fact that he's not out there. But that is reality when you're missing one of your best guys out wide. Yeah, the problem is you're still going to be missing him next week, and you're going to yep. have to take on ETN, who is uh, played just, out of his I mind mean, today. And and the com- the the comps between what Kamara is capable of and ETN are capable of are very similar. And yeah, Trevor Lawrence has had turnover issues. So did Andy Dalton coming into this game, right? So uh, the the it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to shore up some of the defensive deficiencies, what they're going to do to better cover fast running backs that are athletic. Uh, that, that's just going to be difficult. It, it's difficult for the linebackers. It's difficult for the safeties. Uh, it, it's it's just, it's a difficult assignment across the board. And I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's personnel, but I do know that none of it fits, fixes itself easily in the middle of a season, not just for the Raiders, but for anybody. Yeah. And I think that that's a tough one too, where now we wake up all of a sudden fits and, and you and I have been preaching. And I think for very good reason, Hey, let's be patient. They're figuring it out. New scheme, new staff, new everything really. And now we're approaching the halfway point pretty quick. I mean, I think technically, because now we have the 17th game, so it's hard to have everything nice and evenly dispersed like we had back in the day, but 
you're you're kind of hurtling through that midway point and you, the kind of time to figure it out is, is, is kind of over. And you said it perfectly. The runway is gone. If the Raiders want to make any type of noise, and, and I'm not even talking about postseason, I'm not talking about going on a run or anything, you got to start stacking Ws. And to your point, you're going to go into a Jackson, you go play a Jacksonville team next week with Etienne, who's playing out of his mind, even though they lost today. And, and you just got you got to figure it out, for lack of a better term. I know it's not the most creative, eloquent way to say it. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, because there's going to be a line in the sand point for the organization where if things continue this way, then, you know, what they're going to have to do is start figuring out what the long-term plans look like. And that's also a really difficult conversation in the middle of the season. So I think if you're the Raiders, you're just going to try and put this one away as quickly as possible, move on to Jacksonville, know that, you know, coming into this game, the Raiders had the fourth easiest schedule for the rest of the year. But guess what? That included this game. So just like they, they went in and took care of business last week, they went in and got taken care of this week. So, you know, uh, credit to New Orleans. New Orleans had a very good game plan. I've been very hard on Dennis Allen, the coach there. I've been hard on their quarterback situation nationally uh, there. And I thought I thought New Orleans came in with a really good game plan. They came in with a way to, to come in and kick the snot out of the Raiders. And it worked. There wasn't really an adjustment that could be made. And by the time the Raiders tried to get this thing under control, they were already down 24 nothing, right? So, like, it just – this was a nightmare Halloween sort of scenario uh, for the team. And the only way they turn it around is frankly, I think this comes down to the guys in that locker room. There's, there's This is one of those players only type moments where everybody's going to have to decide what they want to play for, how they want to play. And they're going to have to decide to find that next gear as a unit. If they can do that, they can come together. If they don't come together, it's just going to be more of this one week. Good one week back. It's gut check time. That's what it is. It's time to look in the mirror. All 53 of those guys, all the practice squad dudes, look yourselves in the mirror and say, hey, we got to be better. And, and I think what, one thing that does kind of help the Raiders in this situation, we talk about that leadership, right? Derek Carr, a dude who has seen everything in the NFL, good, bad, in between, weird. Derek has been asked to, to see things and speak on things that no human being should, right? So going to two and five, I, I don't think he's going to rank very high on the DC panic meter. Max Crosby, you and I are huge fans. We talk about Max a lot. A dude who is built the right way, who understands the importance of getting this thing back on track. Uh, you know, even the veterans like you know Chandler Jones, the Denzel Perrymans of the world, guys who maybe aren't putting up the biggest numbers right now, but know what it takes to win in the NFL. So the core of that group in the locker room is good, right? I think that there's no concern about oh, are things souring? 100%. Yeah, you know, they have the right makeup of guys to handle what they need to handle, to make their corrections that they need to make. And like I said, I think. As bizarrely as it sounds, not coming back to Vegas this week, this week might be a good thing for the Las Vegas Raiders. Staying on the East Coast, having a chance to be together. To you know, you're not running away from anyone, right? You're not going out to dinner with your cousin who's in town. You guys are at the hotel. You are in essentially, like I said, training camp 2.0. And I, like I said, the timing might be perfect, but the timing is not going to matter at all unless they can handle business next Sunday against the Jags. Yeah, and I, I think everything just comes down to can they create any sort of a bond and brotherhood to fight through this? And, you know, adversity is one of those things. Like, we have to remember as a as a media and as fans that culture is created over time. And every coach, look at Dan Campbell, coach of the Lions, as somebody that people fell in love with because of his energy on hard knocks. And now as the Lions blow another lead, there's so much speculation about whether he's even going to keep his job, right? Like you can come in and say all the right things, but realistically culture is created long-term. It takes time to do that. And it takes uh, things, adversity of some sort that brings everybody together. So, you know, I know the Raiders obviously is an organization went through a lot last year, but this is a new regime 
a new group, a new team, right? So they've got to find that same footing that last year's team sort of magically found at the end of the year. Yeah, a lot of football left to be played. Today is a tough one, no doubt about that, as the Raiders fall 24 to nothing. Fitz on the way out. And uh, let's finish this on a high note. I know you're kind of a you're a big Halloween guy. I know you like your uh, your decorations, your costumes, things of that nature. Uh, what do you got cooking tomorrow? Already, uh, you know what? There was already wild chaos for Halloween. Uh, so yeah, there there was uh, animatronics everywhere and uh, set the whole house, changed everything. Up. I, I got to work Monday nights for Monday night football. That's right. That's right. So. And apparently when they said, bring a costume to that show, I sent a picture of my, you know, demented, uh, ripped off clown face thing. And they said that that's not Mickey Mouse appropriate. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to do now. Like I, I was going to come as a murderous clown, but apparently that isn't family friendly for Monday Night Football. So maybe after the way this game went, they'll feel bad for me and they'll decide that I can still do it. But yeah, the, the, the chaos is uh, it started on Friday. It doesn't end until Tuesday. But then this is important that remember. Tuesday morning while you're going out to all of your Halloween stores and getting your stuff 50% Absolutely. off frugal like that. Just remember, it's okay to crank the Christmas music on November 1st while you're doing I had Mariah Carey's Christmas music while I was putting a 12-foot uh, clown into my car a couple of years ago. They were all staring at me. What do you do at halftime? At halftime of a football game, Eddie, you eat some food, you drink some drinks, you talk to your friends and family, right? What do you do on Thanksgiving? The exact same thing. Thanksgiving is halftime of the Christmas season. Let's go. I do love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday. I think it embodies everything good and just and happy and gratitude-filled that we need to focus on. I cannot, as much as I love you, I cannot get behind blasting the Christmas music on November 1. I don't want this to break us apart. I don't want this to ruin our partnership. But I have to let you know that I, I do I do have a different stance on this one than you do. I will start sending you a, a playlist starting Tuesday morning. I, the Backstreet Boys have a new Christmas record. I've got to check that one out. I mean, there's just so much, Eddie. There's so much. I'll, I'll make sure, you know, I'll just I'll drip on you a little bit, bring that little Christmas spirit and just, just, just sprinkle it in. And I do look I do look forward to listening that listening to that on the day after Thanksgiving. So oh. <laughs> oh, tough day at the office, but we laugh through the tears. We carry on. We move forward just as your 2022 Las Vegas Las Vegas Raiders are gonna have to do as well. So Freddie Pascal, my man Jason Fitz, big Al here hanging out on the ones and twos. Everyone else are back in the control room. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us. And we will see you guys next week following the Raiders next game against the Jacksonville Jaguars here in the fifth quarter. Thank you for listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app, and we'll see you next week. Karma Automotive, Forbes Magazine's most anticipated luxury electric vehicle. Karma Automotive is a luxury EV brand designed and manufactured in California. Proud sponsor and official luxury vehicle of the Las Vegas Raiders. Charge the motion beyond EV. Karma Automotive.